0: Good morning. My name is Chad and I'm the lead pastor here at Bridgeway Church. And uh, you're in trouble this morning because I've spent a lot of time with God this week and I'm really, really excited. We're coming off of an eight-week series. I don't think I've ever preached on anything in my life for eight straight weeks. That's a long time for me. We, I preached on uh, healing the orphan spirit over the last eight weeks. If you or someone you know was greatly blessed by the content out of that series, just raise your hand. Awesome. Then y'all gonna buy that book when it comes out. It'll be here around December, and it's gonna—it's just talking about identity. The older I get, the more I realize how many people love Him so much, but are not really sure that He loves you. I'm convinced that Jesus had uh, all of His passion to go straight towards the cross, not out of His anointing. But just out of his relationship with the Father. I think he made a beeline to the cross, not just because some prophecy was given years ago, but just because of his intimacy with the Father. In this world, you will have what? Isn't it funny how Christians get upset when there's tough times? (laughs) In this world, you're going to go through some stuff, is what the Lord's saying. If you're going through some stuff right now, just relax. it won't be the last stuff you ever go through. <laughs> I think a lot of people come into spirit-filled communities, thinking it's some sort of theology to get you out of stuff. What if it's the opposite? What if the more the Holy Spirit that's operating in you is the more the stuff you're going to go through? The enemy doesn't bother with a lot of Christians. He doesn't have to. They're not a threat. He just says, oh, just stay in Bar. You're fine down there. But the moment you pull yourself up into the king's table and you start walking identity, you put your arm around someone, they get healed. The enemy doesn't like that. He actually seeks to steal from you, kill you, and destroy you. That's from the scriptures. I had someone one time I used to do life with said, why do you say that? It sounds so dramatic. I said, I didn't say it. The word says it. Only someone who's not abiding in Christ and walking in the power of the Holy Spirit would even let that thought come through their mind. The enemy's not out to give you a bad day. He's out to destroy you. Y'all are too quiet. You stay up watching football. What's going on? Speaking of football, next Saturday, if you're excited about opening weekend, just how about a hand clap of something in here? We live in the South. Some people say, oh, I really don't like football, and, and here's what I say to that. We actually have a deliverance ministry in this church. <laughs> football makes me a better person. makes me a better husband. <laughs> Joseph Pellegrino, if you agree with me, just raise your hand right now. There he is, right there. Joseph, he'll send me a prophetic word, and then how many hours it is until the Panthers kick off. <laughs> All right, I want to give you some ammunition today. I learned a lot about ammunition yesterday. Uh, my wife and I received our CWP yesterday along, along with the uh, illustrious Dr. Jack Hancock right here. I learned more yesterday about that stuff than I have in my entire life. I wanna give you some ammunition to stick it right in the enemy's face. Can I just say this? Uh, um, too many of you here at Bridgeway are way too nice. You know, we're in a war. The goal of my life is not to go 10 days without saying a cuss word, give a 10th of a tithe, not fuss with my spouse and call myself a warrior. That ain't a warrior. You know, most of us define our existence by the 10 things we're not doing. Hey, how's your walk with the Lord? Man, it's going great. I ain't cussed in two weeks. I'm not wrestling with lust. And I didn't, you know, yell at anyone at Walmart. Let's be honest. Walmart can tempt anybody. Walmart needs its own observation deck, in my opinion. We define who we are by what we're not doing. Small problem. The word defines dominators and overcomers and warriors, men and women in the word and throughout church history by what they are doing, not what they're not doing. If your Jesus is defined by how well you're doing by the things you're avoiding, the enemy laughs at you most of the time. Because you're no threat to the evil one if you're not advancing against something evil in your life or someone you do life with. The goal of light is not to just go hide and talk about how bright the light is. The goal of light is to step into darkness. And sometimes you can carry so much light, you don't even have to open your mouth. And when you're in darkness, darkness just knows something's different about you. When's the last time one of your coworkers just said about you, there's just something different about you. And you've never shared the gospel with them. It's just so on you, it glows. So how do you get there? Where does where this ammunition come from? Let's go to Psalm 91. I did not give that to Mike this morning. But uh, most people have this memorized if you've been walking in the kingdom long enough. Psalm 91 is interesting. Those who dwell. Those who dwell. Those who dwell. He who dwells. What does the word dwell mean? Well, in Hebrew... It means to sit or lay back. It's Yoshev in Hebrew. A lot of people want to stand up and just scream for Jesus. Before you stand up with him, you need to sit down with him for a long time. Before I stand up, open my mouth for the kingdom. I don't need to be opening my mouth to anyone unless I'm spending way more time sitting down or reclining onto. John's the quiet one in the upper room, yet he's the only disciple at the cross. Peter's the one running his mouth talking about what he's going to do. I'll stand up for you. I'll die for you. I'll give my life for you. Typically, the loudest one in the room is the weakest. Y'all can't handle this. We need to go home. I'm just telling you. If you want to get real loud for Jesus, he'll make you real quiet with him first. And it's not to condemn you or beat you up. It's to give you power. A lot of times people who have a lot of spiritual dreams at night, it's not that the father's mad at that person. It's just that we're not sitting with him long enough during the day to get revelation. He has to wait till we're asleep when we are sitting or leaning back into I've been there. We've all been there. This past week, after preaching eight straight weeks and going at it pretty hard recently, I, I was getting a little bit, I felt off with me and the father. Something wasn't right. And I didn't even pick up on what I was doing, but uh, a few nights in a row, I just went upstairs and laid in my bed and talk to him, I have noticed there's a correlation. I hear him the most when I am in the natural, literally laying down. Does anyone else, anyone, is that true of anyone else? I have never picked up on it until the past seven days. I hear him the most gregariously when I am literally sitting. I think we make too much metaphor out of the Bible. We'll take a passage on raising the dead and we'll just say, well, what the Lord really means is you can get out of debt financially. No, you might have the same power in you that raised the dead and you might just not know who you are and if someone drops around you, you're scared to death that, that it's, it's all over but the Lord sees the situation as the same power that raised him from the grave is in you. And I'm just saying sometimes things just aren't metaphorical. What if literally to dwell means to literally sit down and say, Lord, here I am. I just want to sit with you. You know what's interesting in this passage? When you lay down, with when you recline onto him, The people who grow the most in the kingdom are those who aren't asking him for a bunch of stuff when you do lay down. If you're not confident that you're in a great place with where you are right now with Jesus, what if you took the next three weeks, 21 days, and you refused to ask him, Father, or Holy Spirit for anything, but you spent three hours a day literally reclining in his presence? I dare you. You're not man enough to do it, though, because America says that's not the right way. We gotta, we gotta get on that ladder and work our way to the top. We, we, I got, I gotta memorize a bunch of scriptures. You know, if you're a spiritual orphan memorizing scriptures, a lot of times it's more out of striving than knowing who you already are. Sometimes we need to put our journals down. Sometimes we need to put the note cards down because in some instances, not all, some instances, the note cards are trying to reach for a a daddy that doesn't love you. Sometimes you just need to just sit in his presence and just hush. Everybody just say hush. Hush. I bless you with a spiritual discipline of hush. Some of you extroverts are like, "What what do you mean? What do you mean hush? The staff that I lead here at Bridgeway is the most extroverted staff I've ever been around. And I love it most of the time. <laughs> the other day we did an exercise and I said, all right, let's take some time to do this exercise. No one talk, be quiet. And it was just hysterical. What happened? A lot of people are just wired to never stop talking. To dwell in the presence of the most high means to hush and lay back, be quiet. It says my sheep hear my voice, but you can't hear his voice if you're always Talking. And a lot of people are going after God, always talking, gimme, 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 my name is Jimmy. He's not a slot machine, just hang out with your father. Come on. Mary had a little lamb, she would have been a sheep, she joined a charismatic church, died from lack of sleep. Dwell, sit back, hush. You say, Father, I just want to hush in your presence. You may hear him say, oh, thank you, child, I have been waiting on this. <laughs> he who dwells, that's Yoshev, to sit back, lean onto, In the shelter, it means the secret place. He who dwells in the shelter of the Most High. Before we get to the Most High, what shelter? It means the secret place where not even your spouse sees, not even your children see. I love to worship exuberantly in public. What I love more is taking a walk with him and you don't tweet about it. And you're not trying to sound more slick than you really are. You just, you're just in the secret He told me about a year and a half ago, if you will stop sharing secrets, I'll give you more. And then he gave me revelation on do not share with swine your pearls. You see, the father, all of us can hear his voice. But here's what I'm noticing about the prophetic. You get more revelation, not on how much you're going after it, on how much he trusts you. Because the one releasing the words is not you. Your faith can't just make God do something he doesn't want to do. That's not how it works. The prophetic is based upon a father giving information to a child he trusts. What if you knew that the reason you weren't growing in the prophetic is not because you're immature or not because you don't know some formula? What if there's just something off in the trust realm with you and the father? To the person he trusts a lot, he gives a lot to. This is true financially, this is true in the prophetic. For me personally, uh, I could care less about the prophetic being a part of my career. I only have one goal in life, and that's to know God. And I, w- I literally want to be best friends with the Father. I want to be in His inner circle, not for influence, not so you can come throw a dollar down at the man of God and get a word. About, I don't care. I'm not talking about that. I'm just saying deep friendship with the Father. For me, and I'm not saying this has to be you, my time is limited. I'm already 43. I mean, life goes by fast, as James says. I have one driving borderline obsession. That's just to build deep friendship with him. And what he's showing me is, in order for that to happen, he gives people he trusts stuff. And if the stuff you want is the prophetic, sometimes you got to learn to be quiet, hush, be disciplined to lean back and sit in secrecy, not just in public. I love community. And I believe we should be processing what God's showing us in community. However, One of the things that I'm noticing about the ethos of Jesus, the discipline of Jesus Christ in the scriptures, he got away a lot. He got away from people a lot. This, this is really scary to the, uh, church in the West, but one of the best ways to grow spiritually is solitude. (laughs) Do y'all know what I mean by solitude? There's something spectacular about being more intimate with him in solitude than you are in front of a bunch of other people. And then when he starts showing you stuff, in your past you felt like you had to tell everyone because it was coming from more of a place of insecurity. But now when he shows you stuff, you just ponder it in your heart. It's like when Mary said she just pondered that in her heart. That's something he's been showing me. Chad, I'll give you more if you'll ponder it in your heart for quite a while before you share it. And I say, okay, God's not that complicated. God, God, A lot of people make him complicated. A lot, I mean, he's, he's vast, he's enormous, he's huge. But he is mysterious, but he also is a very principally driven person. I read a book this past week on the values of God. God is also quite predictable. I mean, he created the solar system. He didn't just say, moon, I don't care, sun, do whatever you want, you're free, go. <laughs> they come up and go down at the right time and the stars are put in their places. And it's the same way with kingdom principles with the father. And one of his principles is if you want him to give you more, he has to trust you with a little. So sometimes he'll give you a small prophetic word and say, don't tell a soul And your flesh will rise up and say, but I I need to tell somebody because this is awesome. And God says, yes, it's awesome because I'm awesome. God thinks he's awesome. He's humble, but he thinks he's awesome. And there's way more awesome that came from that place. And if we'll just learn to hush and dwell in the third part of the Most High, that's God himself. So we're not just finding a secret place not abiding with God. I mean, the secret place is the shelter of the Most High. Hush, sit back, lean into, be quiet, secret, no one knows, and you'll grow. That's not even my sermon this morning, but that's worth a sermon right there. You could probably write a book on that whole thing. I bless you in the name of Jesus with a desire for solitude with your loving Heavenly Father. I bless you with revelation on the first part of Psalm 91. May your nickname in the spirit between now and Christmas be the secret one. May you learn to sit and hush. Amen. That was a great intro. All right, well, let's just go for it. Let's have fun this morning. I want to go to Mark 6 up here, and this is one of the strangest passages that I came across with, with Jesus in in a long time. All right, so let's talk about Jesus. Who is he? He's God. (laughs) Okay, when you're God, that is a big deal. He is God Almighty. You know, we think it's a big deal because we drive a Ford Focus and ran a half marathon. Give me a break, that's nothing. (laughs) If you could prop your foot up on the moon as your footstool, I'm gonna listen to you. I grew my business, I became Fortune 500. Okay, well, are you God? Well, no. I mean, God's top of the food chain. He didn't even come from anywhere. He's always been here. It will make you almost snap thinking about how big He is. Let's just say that Jesus manifested in this room today. You'd fall on your face if He walked through that wall, and it wasn't in the Spirit. You would. You you would be undone. Remember Isaiah six, where He completely becomes undone. He just falls on his face. Okay, God, Jesus Christ, is on this earth. Most of us in here would think if only Jesus were here, everything would be fine. Kind of like Mary when Lazarus dies. If only, or Martha, if only you'd have been here, Lord. If the Lord could just be with me, everything would be great because there's, there's nothing God can't do. <laughs> Mark chapter 6. This usually goes over not very well. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. Let's stay right there for a second. Everybody say hometown. Does anyone currently live right now in your own hometown? One, two, seven. Okay, so we have a lot of people. Does anybody ever feel awkward when you go back to your own hometown? Raise your hand. It's just awkward. Think about this now. He's in Mary's baby in uh, Mary's belly as a baby and he's God. He was Mary's baby. He's in her belly, he's God. He's born, he has siblings. They just see him as Yeshua. He grows up, eats matzah bread, talks like a human being. He's not floating around like a little angel. He's a little 7-year-old Jesus. Got brothers. His mom had to change his diaper when he was a little bit baby. He eats food just like we do. He just grows up. Maybe he plays little league soccer. I don't know what you do in Nazareth back in the day. Probably not much of that. But just, that's just Jesus. Mary's son, Joseph's son. But the whole time heaven sees this man, this little not man, little boy, that's God in the flesh. This is a big deal. He grows up in a hometown where he's just very familiar, real familiar. Last eight weeks, we killed the orphan spirit, and today I'm going to kill the familiar spirit. This is one of the most non-talked about faith killers, and I call it stopper uppers, even though it's not a word, of heaven flowing into my life when I don't recognize who the Father has in my life and I can't receive from them because I'm just way too familiar with them. Jesus goes into his hometown with his disciples. His disciples know something that his hometown doesn't. They just saw him two days ago walk across water. You ever done that? 16 feet of waves, blind eyes opening, a couple of fish turning into a bunch of fish, glowing like a white ghost on top of a mountain with three other disciples seeing moses and elijah not only are they not familiar with jesus they don't know what to do with him but his hometown wasn't that way oh hey bob hey john hey sally hey yeshua you can have god in your midst and not pick up on it because of my own ignorance if you become dull-hearted you think that the great man of God across the country that comes into town is what you need. You don't even realize what you need is your 13-year-old child who carries more of God than most people who have ever been around. To hear what I'm having to say, I'm just going to be honest, let him who has ears, let him hear. Let him who has eyes, let him see. And perhaps that spouse that triggers you has more revelation of the famous person that wrote the book on the thing that you're trying to learn about. Jesus left there and went to his hometown accompanied by his disciples. When the Sabbath came, he began to teach in the synagogue, and many who heard him were amazed. Where'd this man get these things? Now, I'm assuming, this is just my assumption, that some of these people hearing him might not have known him from his youth. Nazareth was tiny, very tiny, but you can't know everybody. So some people went, man, this is amazing. Where'd he get these things? What is this wisdom that's been given to him? What are these remarkable miracles he is performing? Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? So this shows me that some people have to know who he is. Now, wait a minute, isn't this Mary's boy? Now, how did he get all this wisdom that was given to him? Isn't this just Mary's boy? Isn't this just Mary's boy? The highest benefit to walking in the prophetic is that God shows you things the way he sees them. I will never forget about eight years ago some friends of mine saying something very negative about someone else in our community and actually spoke the exact opposite over this person of what God was showing me about him. And when they said it, Instead of just being a weak little orphan, not want to ruffle feathers, I said, I actually see that person exact opposite that you do and mark my words and put it down into your little Starbucks journal. God's going to elevate this person off the moon. You know, you got to be really careful listening to all the voices in your life, because typically the voices that will lead you astray are not way out there. They're the ones right around you. I'll get there in a second with Eliab and David. These are people familiar with Jesus saying, well, yeah, well, that's just Mary's son. And Peter's going, well, I don't care if it's Mary's son. Have you ever walked on a water (laughs) horse? You ever opened blind eyes? Do you have the Torah memorized by the age of 12? You know, I think that a lot of people, what they call honor is flattery and it's nothing but demonic. Because it's easy to flatter someone you don't know and call their gift great. The higher level of honor is to be around someone a lot and be very familiar with them and see what's on them from the Father's eyes. I meet very few people who can do this. I'm serious. I just want to be real this morning. I just want to be just blunt, forced trauma, real spiritually. A lot of what we think is honor when the famous woman of God comes into town is not honor. It's flattery. But when you walk over to someone, and I'm at youth camp a few weeks ago, and I see this child, and I said, I just want you to know that you may not remember my name years from now, but this is who you are, and this is how he sees you, and don't you ever turn off on it. Don't you ever turn away from it. True honor is seeing what's on someone, not flattering them, just being able to call out the gold in them, and then watch this, here's the higher level, being able to receive from them. I see this in my own life because it is very familiar with me being at Bridgeway. Sometimes on, on, on Mondays, because I spend a lot of time with the Father on Mondays, I'll be up here. I'll have a pair of shorts on. I'll be studying, I'll be walking the property. Well, oh, that's just Chad. And I actually like that because I don't like all the hoopla blah, blah. I don't I'm not that kind of person. But when I travel, I notice that immediately when I get to a place, it is very different when I travel and then I'm, when I'm here. And I have asked the father so many times. I finally stopped asking him because I found my answer in the scripture. Why do I see so many more healings when I travel than I do here? Why do I see more breakthrough on the road than I do here? Watch this. Next verse. Among his relatives, his own home, Mark 6, 5. He cannot do any miracles there except lay his hands on a few of the sick people and heal them. He was amazed at their lack of faith. Then Jesus went around teaching from village to village. Jesus could do more things outside of his own hometown. And he was just as much God in his hometown as he was outside of his hometown. Why? Because people outside of his hometown honored him more than people that were very familiar with him. Why is it that some certain people can get around your spouse and get downloads and downloads from heaven? But the partner of that spouse, the other spouse, seems to not even be able to receive anything. It perhaps is not a problem with the other spouse. Maybe I have lost the ability to honor who's right around me. Therefore, when I don't honor, I don't receive from heaven. Here's what I'm trying to say. God propped his feet upon a moon. I mean, you, the only reason Jesus died is he laid down his own life. No one killed Jesus. He could have called legions of angels from heaven like that, and it would have been. Remember when they went to arrest him, and and they said, who are you? Are you Jesus of Nazareth? I am he. In the Greek, they get thrown back about 18 feet up into the air like the movie The Matrix. Jesus was a pretty powerful person. Wait for it. He couldn't do any mighty works in his own hometown. If that doesn't bother me to some degree, I'm spiritually dead. How in the world could God be fully God and not do any mighty works in his own hometown? A lack of honor. You know what I think is awesome? Instead of just honoring people that lead here, what if we honored our children as much as anyone will ever meet? Here's the thing. He's Jehovah Sneaky. He will put a gift on someone right beside you and then test you to see if you can receive from that person. Oh, that's just my son. That's just my son. There, there are a lot of things I need to work on. You can spend a week with me. Most of you guys would be disappointed. A lot of people think when I wake up in the morning, there's an angel that makes me a cup of coffee and sings. <laughs> I'm pretty boring, and I'm very normal. But one of the things that the Father has graced me with is that I know what's on my three children. There are a lot of things that I just need to work on. And I'm sure there's room for improvement in this, but I'm just telling you, I I see my children and I see my spouse and God, for whatever reason, I have called out for this ability. Father, please never allow me to honor someone out there and it's more like flattery and not honor the people right around me. There are certain people that I do life with on a consistent basis that when I need a prophetic word, I will pick up the phone and I will call. And I will say, come on, talk to me. What's the father saying? I have the ability in my life to contact some people that can prophesy the white off a golf ball. But you know what? A lot of times God will elevate people to lead in great ways and they're the most insecure people you ever meet in your life. I will never forget about four years ago, I didn't go to Sam for a word. It lasted an hour and two minutes. I called my mom crying. I threw my hat onto the fireplace I was marching around when he was up here at church. I asked Sam a question and for an hour and two minutes, he just started talking from heaven. He started describing my mom's father. I had never told him anything like what he said about my mom's father. My mom's father died way before Sam was born. Then he starts talking about my granny and I'm looking at Sam and he just opened up. It was like a covey, a quail came out of his mouth prophetically And I was stomping around and I said, I was, God Almighty, out of the mouth of a babe. We all can honor the superstars. Matter of fact, I believe this is somewhat prophetic because in the next four months, Jack Deere's coming, Bob Hazlett's coming, Robert Dawkins is coming. These other people are gonna be ministering here. What if instead of just rolling out the red carpet for the superstars, what if in our children's ministry we could see some of these kids the way the father sees them? And you go downstairs to get your word and not stand in line for the great man of God. Are y'all listening? And I'm not, I'm not saying this to beat anybody up. I'm just speaking truth this morning. A lot of what we think is honor is flattery and the Lord can discern the difference. Jesus carried all of heaven within him and his friends couldn't receive from him. So he had to go somewhere else. Because honor is not on the hands or the initiative of the Father. Honor is on our initiative. I have noticed that there's just certain people I'm around that when I'm there, there's just no grace. Raise your hand if you've ever picked up on this, where there's just no grace. There's just no grace when you're around someone. You're around someone else. Matter of fact, I saw this recently. I was in a conversation with someone, and I I just literally could not flow in the prophetic. I could not. About an hour and a half later, I was with six guys that I mentor online. This Google Zoom's amazing. It's like you're in the den together. And I mean, I'm telling you, I thought the computer was going to blow up from all the prophetic stuff that was flowing. And what God showed me was it's not the gift that comes and goes. Honor either releases it or dishonor stuffs it up. We all carry gifts from the Father. Every single one of us in here. All of us. I want Bridgeway to become a place that we all can receive from each other because we're we're not all fancied and have spectacle eyes about the people out there. We can all receive from each other because we all can honor each other and not dishonor each other. If we learn to honor the gifts that the Father has given us, I'm just telling you, heaven won't find you on accident. Heaven will pound on this place. Heaven cares way more about unity than anything else. You know what unity is? It's honor. Jesus go, tells his disciples, <laughs> I'm, I'm, this is, it says it in the text, I, I'm, I am marveling at this dishonor. I can't this is unbelievable. Let's just go to the next town and I'll heal a hundred people just by looking at them. I can't imagine what it was like for Jesus to literally be on a cross, giving his life up for people that he actually made. They were. He was the covenant cutting God of these people. In the last words, he says, forgive them. They don't know what they're doing. So how do you get to, how do you get to where you start walking in honor? Let's go to that 1 Samuel passage. And uh, this is what I call the anti-Eliab principle. I'm not going to go in the story of King David. Hopefully you know it. Jesse didn't even know who his son was. You know, Goliath is not going to be your biggest battle. It's going to be overcoming those closest to you who call out the opposite of what heaven sees in you. Holy smokes. I'm going to say that one more time. That is straight from upstairs. Thank you, Father. Your biggest battle's not Goliath. Everybody thinks we get to your Goliath, that's your destiny. The biggest battle is overcoming the obstacles closest to you before Goliath even manifests. Jesse doesn't know who he is. His other brothers make fun of him. To the degree in which you are favored, I am telling you, it is a kingdom principle. The lowest level of honor will flow to you to those who are most familiar to you until the familiar spirit is broken off. And and here's what Jesse says. Jesse doesn't even tell David to go fight Goliath. David's in the shepherd's field. He gives him an epaph, a of grain. I don't know what that is. A lot of food and probably some corn and says, take it to your brothers who were down at the war and bring me back the report of what's happening. I submit to you that Eliab was a bigger monster in David's life than Goliath. When Eliab, David's oldest brother, heard him speaking with the men, he burned with anger at him and asked, Why have you come down here? And with whom did you leave those few sheep in the wilderness? I know how conceited you are and how wicked your heart is. You came down only to watch the battle. This is his brother. See here we got two options. We can just pout. Oh, poor David. Poor me. Oh, God didn't give me siblings or close community and believe in me or we can just do what david did david just ignores it (laughs) there is a high level of spiritual warfare called the gift of ignoring i'm preaching way better than anyone's listening nobody's listening you came only to watch the battle think about the things david could say Eliab, excuse me while the favor on me crushes your mouth right now over the next 10 minutes. (laughs) Eliab, real quick, the Goliath, that by the way, if you were tough enough, you would already be fighting him. But your daddy, who's my daddy, but not really, my daddy is Jehovah, sent me here to take care of something that you're running your mouth about but you won't handle. And after I kill him, you're about to serve me. So this is gonna be fun, Eliab. (laughs) He didn't say all that. He just kept his mouth shut. There's something about the spiritual gift of hushing, reclining into the Father and going to war and not even receiving the crowns that are given to you. Just hush, hide in the shelter of the most high and when the enemy uses those closest to you to tell you who you're not, just wink in them. Just wink a little bit. There's a little bit of this Elijah enjoyment thing coming when you say wet the altar before the fire comes. Goliath was not a big deal to David. I'm telling you the truth. He had this pestering, pest, demonic thing come at him, and it came through his brothers. As a matter of fact, here's what's amazing I love this. When Jesse sent David to fight Goliath, he didn't say go fight Goliath. This is after the oil's been poured. Not even his own biological father knew who he was. He said, go take your brother's food. I don't have to like pump myself up to make other people believe what's on me and you don't have to do that either. Just believe it and go kill your Goliath. And it, you know, David could have said, what do you mean take them food? Take them food? I'm the one that had oil poured on me. Did you not see the oil poured on me? I'm, you know what Jesus did? He just went to another hometown. David just took the bread. I'll take the bread. And he didn't let his daddy wounds from Jesse, not knowing who he was, destroy his destiny. You want to know why? I'm just going to say it. I'm going to say it real clear. I'm going to make this so simple. You have to hire someone to help you misunderstand it. Because you get to a point in your journey where your daddy in the natural is not your daddy. He's your brother. And David's like, okay, dad, I'll take the bread and the whole time he's thinking I smell something coming this is a setup this is a setup and he starts getting excited and the closer he gets to his brothers he runs to the battle and says who is that who is that that just defied the one that sent me here that my dad doesn't even know that I serve I'm about to shut his mouth up you know what Saul does he speaks a truth he says you can't do this you're only a young boy well there's nothing wrong with that truth that was a truth in the natural but in the supernatural there are truths that trump other truths you know some truths don't trump lies they just trump weaker truths oh my gosh it's not just a truth versus a lie battle some truths just trump weaker truths and Saul said come in here and put all this stuff on and David says I can't get this stuff off me and I guarantee you, I'm gonna ask him one day, I guarantee you, if Eliab's over there, I guarantee you, because every warrior has a little bit of this in him, I guarantee you he did this right here. <laughs> I, I guarantee you, because humility is not synonymous with passivity. Elijah said, wet that altar. Come on, wet it, pour water on there. And as he looks over, he goes, and he takes care of this enemy with one rock. You know why he could take care of the enemy? Because he had learned to overcome dishonor his whole life. (laughs) There are even early church stories that some scholars don't even believe that he's a legitimate child. They believe that he was born uh, out of the marital relationship that was proper. I don't know if that's true or not. It would not surprise me in the least. Because every... your giant is not your biggest hurdle to your destiny. It's the little things that the enemy does to the people right beside you to the to your journey, to your Goliath. And if you can overcome dishonor around you your whole life, Herod's trying to kill Jesus. He has no place to lay his head. All his disciples abandon him. Peter falls asleep in the garden. No one's there. Jesus overcame so many things even before he got to the cross as a matter of fact in Gethsemane was an enormous victory where he he defeated that thing in Gethsemane not just at the cross everybody thinks well what is my destiny your destiny is every day overcoming the little gnats in your life thank you Chad Chad that is awesome that is awesome and so people think, well, I just I don't have any I don't have any Goliath seasons. Goliath lasted less than two minutes. We are obsessed with the destination. God's obsessed with the journey, because it's in the journey where you're being transformed. By the time you get to Goliath, you say, oh, this would be fun. This is no big deal. This is no big deal. Saul, thank you for your armor. And you go in the coward's dome with my brother Eliab and I'm gonna come out here and take care of this guy and I'm gonna take your sword and cut his head off and then I'm gonna lead with humility for the next 40 years and just like Joseph, I'm not gonna shove it in my brother's faces, I'm just gonna forgive him and I'm gonna bless him because somewhere along the way, character gets to the place where God can actually use you and I close with this idea. What if I told you that the father was responsible for a lot of the conflict right around you not just the enemy what if the father provoked Eliabs to get to you to see what's inside of you because you don't know who you are until you're squeezed and you really don't know who you are until those closest to you start calling out the opposite of what the father's saying in you and when i'm squeezed i want jesus to come out we need to take up another offering we ought to do that Man, I tell you what, I'm gonna ask the prayer servants to come down forward and I just, I wanna pray this morning. Um, Let me just, I'm gonna prophetically, the Father's showing me someone on this this side of the room, you are so tired of um, not receiving your own identity from the Father of who you really are. Who is it over here that you say you're just really, really tired of you listen to Eliab too much, that's what it is. Who is it? Just raise your hand. I want to pray for you. There's someone you just you're listening to whispers. You're listening to whispers. Is there anyone that wants me to pray for you that you would stop listening to the whispers of Eliab and receive your identity from the Father anymore? Is there anyone? Okay, yeah. I tell you what. If you're on this side of the room, won't you come down right here? I'm just going to speak a blessing over you. I'm just going to pray a blessing over you. Y'all, come on. If you raise your hand. Because the Eliabs never stop. They never stop. Will you guys just extend your hands over here and I'm going to bless these children of the Father. May you grow more between now and Christmas in your identity than you have in your entire life. And may you have the spiritual gift of ignoring. May the Eliabs, may you not even hear them anymore. I bless you with such discernment that you only have ears for one. You only have ears for one. I bless you with such deep friendship with God that identity would explode in you. In Jesus' name, amen. If you need prayer this morning, I'm gonna ask you to come down front. Let's go ahead and stand right now. I'm just gonna ask you to come down front and receive prayer. Let me speak a blessing over you guys and then we'll be dismissed today. Please come get prayer this morning if you're tired of listening to Eliab all the time. In the name of Jesus, may you only have ears for one and what he thinks about you and what he says about you. In Jesus' name, amen.